Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hi, this is Brian, and welcome back. You know, you can call with your answers, too. Doesn't just have to be questions, folks. I, I didn't record that part of it. We're live from Sunny Slope, where we can see, uh, we can now see the mountains again. Uh, nice, uh, wet day out there. Hope you're enjoying it. We do have a couple lines still available. A number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Jackie in Phoenix, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Excellent. And you? Good, 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 good. Little gray days. Don't care for the gray days, but okay, I'll take it. Um, my question is about pre-emergent. When is a good time to put it down? And um, it basically, once it's down, what do I need to do to, to make sure it does what it's supposed to do? Well, you can put it down today, and if we get a half inch of rain, it'll activate it. Okay. And so it's a little bit late on some of the weeds that are already germinated. Are you going to put it in rock or lawn? Gravel, yeah, lots okay. of gravel. Do you have any weeds coming up yet? I didn't have until just recently. I can see little little green things coming up, but, pre- but I haven't had anything until this last week. I put pre-emergent down last time in September, Okay, um, but I'm questioning whether I did it correctly. Well, you probably did fine, and that's about as long as it lasts. So if you hadn't had any weeds till now, you did well. Um, what you have <laughs> coming up now when it's first germinating, uh, sometimes the pre-emergent will kill it. You know, if it gets past the first set of leaves, and it usually won't. So I would put the pre-emergent down today, okay, in the rain, let the rain activate okay. it. And then if you see, um, you know, the weeds continue to grow, you might have to come back and spot spray with a little bit of herbicide. And uh, depending on what you want to use, but probably the safest thing, if you're not going to keep, you know, keep it off the plants, would be using a, a Roundup type product. Now, that's not going to work today with the pre-emergent. You could use two, the two together after the rains are over, but glyphosate or 2,4-D or any of those aren't going to work well in the rain. But the pre-emergent works exceedingly well. And so I would go ahead and put down the pre-emergent today. And if you see that the other weeds are still green at the end of the week, you might come back and, and spray, spot spray with uh, like a Roundup or glyphosate after it's dry and sunny. Okay. How much? How do I know how much to put down? Um, well, there's lots of different guess, types. There's granular and there's liquid and there's pendimethyl and there's pre and there's all different kinds. But you ab- absolutely strictly have to follow the label. Okay, I'm never going to tell you not to follow a label. And if you have questions about a label, you can call the manufacturers on most of these, and they're very helpful. You know, they have scientists that work on their staff and chemists that can tell you all about the chemicals, how to apply them, what they do. What I would be very cognizant and not use, okay, is like an ortho ground clear or anything that's going to last for a longer period of time than a pre-emergent. So if you use something that says pre-emergent on it and you use something else that is a herbicide, which is contact kills plants, you're not going to harm your soil. But uh, like ortho ground clear, if you put that down, it'll mess up your soil for a year. Okay. And Pramatol okay. well, you... for 10 years. So. 
Okay, usually I use just preen the granules. Preen, preen granules, fine. And then if you didn't have any weeds till now, it's, it's normal. Uh, and it only lasts on the soil about 90 days, okay? But if you get past the germination cycle, that takes care of you. So I would put the preen down today. And then, and I think preen's a fine product, and uh, and let the water you know take it and, and melt it all in. But if you don't put it down today, if you wait three or four more days, and once those little you know seedlings have all germinated and start to come up, then you're going to absolutely have to spray with the contact killer. So I would put it down, let the rain you know soak it in because it takes the water to activate it, and I think you'll be pretty happy with your results. If you see at the end of the week that the weeds are still green, uh, then you may have to go through and spray it. But if it's always a lot easier to spray a weed that's a half inch than one that's two feet tall. Exactly. And then how often do I need to do it thereafter? If it's only 90 days, do I literally have to? Well, no, I mean, more you, you have certain germination seasons, you know, for different types of weeds. So we usually have winter weeds and we have summer weeds. And, and this is actually the beginning of our summer weed crop. OK, so you can put it down now. If you, if you had a lot of spurge and different things in there before, you could put it down again, like in mid-April. Oh, okay. Okay, and then you do okay. three times a year. But, you know, the idea is if you kid it all before they germinate and get big, you don't have that seed source there, and you, you right. kind of eliminate the problem, and after a few years, you really don't have to use it. Okay. All right, thank you very much. Thanks, I appreciate Kathy. it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Elaine in Peoria. Good morning, Elaine. Hi, just in time. I just arrived at church. Okay. <laughs> um, happy Sunday. To you as well. Um, um, I have three tables that are like, I can get about six inch of soil in them. And uh, they, they're they made for gardening. But I don't know what was I could plant in that uh, small of a dirt or soil. Well, do you want to grow any herbs? Yeah. I mean, that would be fine for growing herbs. And if they're wide enough, that, that would be fine for tomatoes. Oh, you know. wood? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, they'll spread. And then I mean, also, it's, six, it's six inches deep, but how wide are they? What's the proportions? Oh, they're uh, about, I would say, two feet wide. Okay. And about five feet long. So that's fine. Tomatoes don't have to root any deeper than that. Oh, really? What other things? Like, can I do lettuce and You could do lettuce. Would you find that carrots is going to be kind of shallow. You could do radishes it, if you wanted to. Radishes, onions? Onions you could do. Okay. The, the depth, oh, great. The, the and then my compost. Mm-hmm. Okay. My composter, I've got one of those that you turn yourself. Sure. And I swear I'm opening it. I swear I'm seeing white flies or some kind of things that come out of there. What am I doing wrong? Well, it's not getting hot enough. Okay. Oh, so if, if it's getting hot enough, you're not going to have those in there. And sometimes so, because it's not that much volume, it's hard to get the heat up. Yeah, I've got quite a bit in there now because I'm hoping for the spring to be able to use it. Um, are you adding? Any, are you adding any nitrogen, Elaine? No, I could. Yeah, throw in a little bit of uh, urea, or you know, you could use ammonium sulfate or something. Some more nitrogen that'll help get it hotter. Okay, and make okay. sure you have enough moisture in it. Yeah, I do it about once a week. Is that enough? I just put my hose in there just like, you know, I don't put a lot. Well, you can check it. You don't want it to be super wet, but, you you know, too wet, it'll it'll go aerobic on you. Yeah, I've got one of those thermometers, so I can check yeah. it. Well, so you, what was it, urea? Urea or ammonium sulfate, just some nitrogen. Okay, how much do I put in that? Well, it's a small thing, so, I mean, you could put probably as much as a cup. Okay. You know, that Sounds would be like good. the maximum. 
Okay. All right. Thanks, Elaine. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Gary in Desert Hills. Good morning, Gary. Hi. Good morning, Brian. Morning to you. Um, a couple questions for you. First one is about uh, pruning my lemon tree. We have a lemon tree we put in the ground about two and a half years ago, and it was a pretty sizable tree. Um, we harvested fruit from it about a week ago, and there's like three or four shoots shooting straight into the air, about two and a half feet taller than the tree. How do I prune those? Well, it depends on what you want the tree to grow into. You know, so like with our young lemon trees, when we're growing them to be a full size lemon tree, we'll thin out the the inside of the tree and try to get major branches to come off at angles so it's more open on the inside because our best fruit quality is on the interior of the tree. And so the ones that really come out tall, just clip the tips of them off. You don't want, you want them to let them spread and those would be your scaffolding or structure branches for future growth, okay, on a young tree. So let, let them come out like two, three feet past the rest of the tree and just clip the tips off. And then as those start to fill on the top, then open up the center and you'll get your best quality fruit on the inside of the tree. Okay, very good. I have one more question for you. Um, I've been hearing about a, a, a Moringo tree mm-hmm. uh, that's supposed to grow very, very fast. I have, I'm, I live in a, I have a, a one-acre lot and there's a lot of horse property around me and um, they have this an arena next door with these giant lights out. And I was hoping to put something there to block out some of the uh, lighting that's blowing into the yard at well, night. That probably uh, would not be a good choice. <laughs> oh, okay. Moringa tree is a fun thing to grow for different kinds of uses and purposes, but I think most Moringa trees will freeze and die here someday. And they do grow, grow quite fast when they're young, but they're not going to be a very good screen. Um, you know, if you're out there at Desert Hills and you want like a native looking tree that's going to fit into the, the native desert out there, it'll grow fast. You could try like an American mesquite. And, you know, it can grow three or four feet a year, and um, it's dense, and it'll stay evergreen unless we have a really hard freeze. And uh, as it gets mature, you can water it, you know, less and less. And uh, the nice part about mesquites is they're in legume families. They actually produce their own nitrogen and feed themselves. So it can make a great tree and get big enough to screen that out, and it won't die back and won't have the issues of Moringa would. Okay, well, very good. Well, thank you very much for the information, and you have a wonderful, glorious day. You too, Gary. Thank you. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. While we're gone, we do have two lines available. Number call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Has anybody here? It seems 
there's a reason why we have Monday off. In, but first, we'll get back to the phones. Uh, got a couple lines available. Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Tim and Mesa, good morning. Hey, good morning, Brian. How are you? I talked to you before. I used to farm down in Hyder. I told you I used to grow citrus <laughs> down there. <laughs> yes, sir. But I've got, uh, I think, an answer for your uh, broccoli thing. Oh, good. First, and then a couple <laughs> questions. Um, in my experience, growing up, you know, when I used to have a place where I could have a garden just out in the garden where I had rows and rows, I had no problem with a lot of things. But since I moved back into town and I live where I, I'm in a house in the neighborhood with other people and such, I, my gardening spaces are varied. And so when I plant my broccoli, my cauliflower and stuff, if I get them in a place where they're just not quite getting six or eight hours of sunlight, I get a lot of plant and no head. So it could just be that. As a matter of fact, I was out cutting uh, cow, um, broccoli this morning. And then, so that might be that. Oh, we appreciate it. That's a good idea. <laughs> yep. My questions, um, as I've been in this place now, I've added trees over the years, and I came across a place that had a weeping Santa Rosa plum. Mm-hmm. And it's grown like a weed. And it's only... This will be two years since I planted it. I got this last year probably from, I planted it from a five-gallon, and it was about 14, 15 feet tall, about 12 feet across. And I wonder, are those uh, just a flowering and ornamental variety, or are they ever going to get fruit? Well, if it's a Santa Rosa, they shouldn't be, and Santa Rosa should self-pollinate. Yeah, well, I've got other. I've got peaches and apricots there as well, um, but I've, I've never had seen that uh, weeping one, and it is beautiful. I just uh, pruned it back uh, last week and stuff, so like, I could expect fruit on that, and it's not going to just be an ornamental. That's nice to know. Well, on a, yeah, on, on a true Santa Rosa, it should definitely have fruit, and so I, I would yeah. think the weeping. I, rem- would be I remember the same hours. growing up, going out and gleaning the orchards down there uh, in Southeast Mesa. We used to go down there in the 50s, 60s, and pick them after they got done. They let us glean, and it was so much a box or something. My grandmother then would make uh, jellies out of them, the apricots and the pe- uh, peaches and plums. My other question is, I've got um, eggplant that I planted last year uh, in the spring, and it waited all the way through the summer, and it then put another huge crop on over the winter. But I kept waiting for it to get cold enough this winter to wipe out the spider mites on it. And the spider mites have never disappeared. And they're just terrible on these eggplants. What what can I do besides uh, going out there? I haven't had to water it because of these rains, but I've been out there spraying it off, just getting rid of the spider mites every two days. Well, spraying it off is a good thing. Every two days is not very not very good. You might try some. Oh, no, you might try some spinosad, which is an organic insecticide. You can buy it in, under that. I think it just has spinosad on it now, and. Uh, it it does a fair job on spider mites, and you can also get Alrighty. it with a little bit of oil this time of year. So you can actually use like Volk oil, and okay. uh, you can you can use it this time of year. It's too hot, you know, other times of year, but that might help you with them some too. Now, if I cut these huge eggplant plants back, am I going to get another year out of them? Oh, you know, you get two, three years out of eggplants pretty easy. I, I used to have a friend that grew them down in uh, Florida, you know, in containers, actually, and sold them in the mm-hmm. market. He grew about 10 different varieties, and uh, he'd keep the plants two or three years. All righty. 
Very good. So I got a question for you, Tim. When you were down in Hyder, did you know John Tryon? I knew him better than most people. Uh, yep. Uh, I knew John for from all the time I was down there in the Merrills, mm-hmm. Virgil, Rick, Rob, Rex, the brother-in-law, Dave, all them. So. Pretty special yep. families, I'll tell you what. Yep. And uh, I don't know. I haven't been down for a number of years. I, I know when you went down there, was White Wing still around as a no? White, White Wing's gone. They, it became a solar plant. And uh, I, I know that, and I didn't know what they know. But the people over there, uh, especially Nick Condora, and uh-huh. stuff, I tell you what, I don't know if you knew Nick, but I knew Nick on the yeah, phone. You know, and he was he was a big time Wildcat. He was a good football player. Oh yeah, well, I was a big time Sun Devil. So. <laughs> so, 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 so were the Merrills, and so was John Tryon. Yes, yep, yep. As a matter of fact, I sat in uh, Virgil's seats there at uh, ASU Stadium uh, dozens of times. He had uh, seats on both sides of the stadium. He took the ones that were on the shady side, and he used to hand out the ones that were over there where you were looking at the sun. <laughs> yeah, I, I had the good fortune of going to some of those games with John Tryon. Well, Tim, thanks for the call. Oh, you betcha. You have a nice new year. This is going to be a great year with this kind of weather. If it could stay a few months, I'd appreciate it. Well, you know what you got to come do is you got to come visit the Hyder Desert whenever it blooms here in about a month. Oh, yeah. When it gets a rain. Last time I remember down there, I can't remember what years it was, 80-something. We had a lot of winter rain. And I swear that those black uh, volcanic hills looked like you could have swore you were in Hawaii. Well, and they made this year again, too. I can remember, and I don't remember exactly how long ago it was, but the whole Hyder Valley came up solid and choice because we had a couple of monsoons or actually kind of hurricane almost, you know, events that came up from the south. And we got two four-inch rains, and the whole desert came up in, in these little choyas. And I was so glad to see him go. It was fun to watch him come up, but I was so glad to see him go. <laughs> so glad you didn't have to deal with them. Oh, man, you know, I just can't imagine uh, how long some of this seed stays in this desert. and. You know, if we get some heavy oh, yeah, rains on top of what we're having now, who knows what's going to grow in the desert? Um, I've had family and friend that used to farm down in the southeastern part of the state, and then uh, after uh, their cattle over the couple of generations uh, ate everything up, then the mosquito all came up, then all they had were big, huge mosquito patches. <laughs> well, that's how it works sometimes. Care- careful yes, what, you, what you do with Mother Nature, because she does change things on you. <laughs> Tim, yep. thanks for the call. Very much appreciate it, and uh, we hope that sunlight fixes broccoli. That would be a good. That would be a good real solution. All righty. Thank you, you sir. Have a good one. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, Ken and Gilbert is up next. After Ken, we've got three open lines. Number to call: six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven two seven seven KTAR. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Brian. How are you today? Excellent, sir. Wonderful. Hey, I have a, I think it's a Mexican fence post cactus. It's got like rust spots on it. Okay. Is it, is it like big patchy things going through? Because you can get, you know, some bacterial infections that can cause a lot of problems for cactus. Um, They're like little spots, maybe the size of an eraser. Hmm. You know, unless it would be some kind of a bacteria, I couldn't, or do you have you had a hailstorm, Ken? Uh, no. Okay, because the hail will certainly do that to them. But huh. um, what I would do is go out and, and cut into one, okay, and, and yep. see if it's soft in there. Okay, if it's soft in there, what you might want to do is spray the whole thing with some powdered sulfur. Okay. 
Okay, but if it's like soft or breaking down or deteriorating, or you know, the other thing is it might have had a hell you didn't know about because if it's hard, you know, and callousing, then it would be like scarred from something mechanical, like a hellstorm. Oh <clears throat> uh, yeah, because there it, it's like all over, not not concentrated in one spot. There, all the different uh, posts have little spots on them like that. So. Well, and yeah, you could tell if it was hell because I'll be on one side, not on the other side. Yeah, it uh, seems to be all over. Well, since, I guess I'll spray with powdered sulfur, huh? Well, try that, but but you know, if it's not soft, there's no reason to. But if you want to oh. send a picture into the website at Whitfield Nursery, too, we'll take a look at it for you. All right, great. All righty. Thanks, Brian. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Well, you know, this uh, this Troy Bennett, he, he just comes in here and just, you know, gets us enlightened, and, and here he comes. So we'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, uh, Sharon's here on the phones. We have a few available. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. It's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM, KTR. But oh well. <laughs> anyway, we've got uh, four lines available. Number to call 602-277-5827-277 KTAR. Robert in Phoenix, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Hey there, I've, I've been growing in some containers. Uh, they're a little bit under five gallon containers, and uh, some of them, like I've been growing uh, radishes in uh, or some onions. You know, after these crops, I, I tell you, I've grown more radishes than I can eat. Almost, uh, I didn't realize how they, they quickly they grow. Uh, what 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 would I have to amend the soil for the next thing that I might plant? Perhaps I'll plant broccoli or more tomato plants. I've got one lovely cherry tomato. Uh, their little didn't turn out too good for me, but uh, one cherry tomato's giving me so much that uh, that that that's doing fine as it is. What can I do to amend the soil in these other pots? Well, when I decide to plant something different in it. Uh, well, Robert, a couple quick back. questions. When when you water, do you usually let the water leach through the bottom of the pot? Yes. Okay. And what have you been using for fertilizer historically? Uh, generally, I just uh, I had a stockpile of some uh, older fertilizer here in the house that I moved into. So they were uh, the, uh, oh, I think Miracle Growth. 
Okay, that, that's all good. What I would probably do if you want to kind of build it up some is you could take and uh, inoculate. How many do you have? A lot of containers. Uh, five. Okay, so what you might do is buy one bag of ocean floor potting soil. Okay. Okay, and it's got some good inoculants. It's going to kind of build up your biology a little bit, and uh, then okay. I would maybe fertilize with some pelletized chicken manure. You know, and, okay. that's, and that's going to give you a couple things just to kind of build it up for time. But, uh, you know, by, yeah. by leaching out and watering through and this being the winter season and things, your soil is probably not too bad. Okay. And uh, yeah, radish is the that, most that, amazing that, thing. Like you say, that's if you want to have a kid learn how to grow something fast, plant radishes. <laughs> oh, boy, I had no idea. Yeah, that is wild. The, uh, uh, the, the, and the two items were again, well, the chicken manure, what was the first one again? Well, the, there's a product uh, called Ocean Floor, okay, and it's a brand name. But uh, the Ocean Floor Potting Soil has got a lot of inoculants in it, okay, the way it's okay. manufactured. And so you don't have to use it straight, but if you would take and replace some of your soil and all those, you know, and just, you don't need to get a real big bag, just get a small bag, kind of inoculate everything. That'll help too. It's, sure. It has different bacteria and things like mycorrhiza bacteria and things that are just good for your soil. Right. And any old soil or anything I shake off or my remains or coffee grounds? Well, co- coffee grounds out. are always great. You know, they're going to keep your pH down, so they, they work fine. Okay, super. Sure, appreciate it. No, Robert, have a nice weekend. Thanks for being part of the program. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, after Robert, now that leaves us with wide open phones. We have the lovely Shira here on Phones and Music. Give her a call. She's getting lonely back there, and she's waiting for you. I can see the smile on her face. It's fun to make Shira smile. Anyway, the number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares. And if you have a solution or a different idea for us, we're all ears. We've all got a lot to learn. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot of fun out in the garden. It's like cooking and anything else where you can, you know, experiment and play and do different things. And you never know exactly what you're going to get. And what's so fun, too, is we have such a diversity in our population here now in the state. We have people from all over the world. Uh, gardening experiences coming from Africa and Australia and New Zealand, you know, South America and North America. Some of the plants have been grown here in the valley, you know, for over 4,000 years. You know, we've, this is a big agricultural area. How we manage and use our water is critical, and it's uh, it's a lot easier for us today in some respects because we do have dams, we have better distribution and delivery, and but we also have a lot more people here. So, you know, we we look forward to working with people like Salt River Project and the CAP and the cities. There's a lot of uh, wonderful people here that work very hard to manage our water, and uh, how we utilize it makes a big difference. Uh, Two lines still available. Number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Mark and Mesa, good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, good to uh, talk with you. Hey, I've got a little citrus grove that uh, has a few uh, tangelo-type orange trees, uh, Lisbon lemon, a uh, couple of Meyer, and uh, two uh, Mexican limes. Um uh, and uh, they're all doing well, except the Mexican limes. Uh, they're all mature trees, about eight foot tall. Uh, the Mexican limes are shedding a lot of leaves. Uh, and I just don't, don't know if that's just normal. Uh, they semi-deciduous, but a lot of leaves that they're shedding all of a sudden. Well, it's a little more this time of year. Mark, how old are they? How long have they been in the ground? Oh, geez, I would say six, eight years. Okay, so they're fairly young trees. Uh, I would just make sure that the Mexican limes aren't planted a little deep or aren't too wet. 
Okay. They, they, okay. they do get, sometimes get Phytophthora, have soil fungus and different things. And, uh, depending, okay. a lot of the soil in Mesa is fairly heavy. And what I would do is go out and just dig up, the, you know, alongside the trunk beside the tree and make sure okay. that the flares where the roots come out, you know, where the roots come out of the trunk isn't covered up yep. a little too deep. Okay. So if, if, okay. if you see that the roots start, you know, down eight or 10 inches deep, then you might just take some of the soil out and open up a little bit bigger well. Do you flood irrigate? No, uh, it's all drip. Okay. So, I mean, drip's great, but just make sure that the well hasn't gotten filled in or that the dirt's not, you know, too far over the top of the roots there. And that might help right, with some. Right. And you're not going to okay. do much to change anything until, you know, February when it warms up. But, you know, somewhere around the middle of February, we always say Valentine's Day, easy day to remember, is a great time to fertilize. And, uh, you know, if you have heavier soil where you are in Mesa, you probably don't want to water too much, especially right now. You don't need any water, you know, probably again until, uh, uh, you know, for the next two, three weeks. Okay. All right. So I'll cut, definitely cut back on the water, uh, you know, for them. Yeah, the soil is kind of heavy. Um, you know, it's, you're, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, gravel kind of uh, fills over those areas. So I'll pull back, you know, on that a bit and uh, cut back on the watering. So the, the leaf drop is abnormal. It's just not that they're semi-deciduous. Well, no, limes, the limes can get a little yellower anyway. I mean, I think, you know, Mexican limes, especially the smaller, better limes. And they are the small limes, right? Yeah, the thorny. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. the good one. Yeah, it's in Mexico. It's the one that does the best here. But yeah, I just, uh, yeah, make sure that they're not planted a little deep. And, you know, really, okay. like in our citrus groves, we haven't irrigated since the first big rain in December. You know, oh, we've, wow. we've okay. had we've had so much rain and, you know, we're down off of uh, Germain Road yeah, between Queen okay. Creek and Mesa. And, uh, yep. you know, and we've had over four inches of rain. I don't know how much you got at your house, but, you know, with that much rain yeah, and the weather being uh, cool, you know, we really well, haven't needed to water at all. In fact, you know, to get our sugar content or bricks up in some of our fruit, you know, the ground's been too wet. And uh, yeah. we did have um, to irrigate okay. right about, you know, the 1st of December because we were everything was really wet because we were looking at frost maybe coming and then boom, it just stayed wet. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I mean, I put in, I just put in some blood orange that I got from your stately uh, location um, or Cooper. Or, or I can't remember which it changes right there, yeah. but, uh, uh, but uh, I mean, they, that may be it too. I, uh, they uh, definitely got a little bit wet uh, just because as you said, the soil is very clumpy there. Um, and I did get a little bit yellowing on the leaves and uh, I put them in about uh, three, well, your your fellow put them in about three uh, about three months ago, um, and I cut back on the watering and so forth. And I think uh, you know I've stopped that, so I'll, I'll stop the watering for now, and, uh, and I'll pull back on the soil. I think that makes sense. And Mark, I got to tell you, with the blood oranges, be patient. We planted, uh, okay. I planted a row of them in our grove down in Hyder in 2012, and I was just getting ready to give up on them. The crops have been, you know, inconsistent, not very good. The trees have been pretty, and all of a sudden, until this year. And uh, oh, really? this year okay. we had this magnificent crop of blood oranges, and I've you know I've eaten them off the trees and never cared much for them, but I brought home a, a box of them because we had a you know nice harvest this year and juiced them, and they make the most wonderful fun juice. You know I got it is and it is just blood red, and it was you know for my trees that were just about ready to get boxed and become you know somebody else's trees, uh, they're going to stay in the <laughs> grove now. They 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 earn their keep. <laughs> <laughs> 
funny. Well, I'll be patient with them. That uh, and there's probably I don't know maybe a dozen blood oranges on each tree. So I'm looking forward to harvesting those. But <laughs> yeah, you know, and in the nursery. But no, but they they really are good. And uh, and don't get discouraged if you don't love the flavor. But juice them. They're they're unreal. <laughs> that sounds that, that sounds great. All right, thanks so much. Appreciate thanks, Mark. Bye bye. Uh, let's see, Katie and Gilbert. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. All right, so we had bought and planted a very mature uh, ficus tree about three years ago, and I just cannot get it to grow out any fuller than it already is. Okay, so Katie, you can't do much for it just yet, okay, but come the middle of February is a great time to feed it. Is it in grass or rock or what's around it? Um, it's truly gravel is around it. Okay, so what we're going to want to do is probably up the water. Where do, where do you live in Gilbert? What cross streets? Higley and Queen Creek. Okay, so you have you know good heavy you know Gilbert clay soil, so that's fine. So what you'll want to do is you'll want to up the water this summer, okay, and you want to start off okay. by fertilizing it here in February. Um, okay. You know we can still have a frost, so we're not going to fertilize it just yet. But the middle of February after Valentine's Day, go ahead and feed it. And if you can water it heavy once a week and give it somewhere over a hundred gallons of water, um, mm-hmm. it'll grow this spring and it'll come out fast. What's the best fertilizer to use for it? You know, like a citrus food, like the Organo Pro citrus food would be really good. Um, okay. But it's not picky and it can't read. And if you had 21-7-14 lawn fertilizer, it would work fine on it, too. Does it really affect it so much that it's close to that brick wall and it gets a lot of heat? Yes. <laughs> you didn't tell me about the brick wall. Come on, you meanie. You're picking on that poor little ficus tree. So what you really have to do is you have to get it big enough so it can protect itself. And then it will shade the brick wall that's hurting. It's a big tree. Like it's, we, we spent money on it to make sure it was, okay. it was huge. But it's um, it's just not growing fuller. Well, let's, let's do like this. The, let's the pick- leaves are already up above the brick okay but what we're going to do is we're going to get uh, more fertilizer more water on it and it's not going to change anything right now start that the, the you know pretty much the middle of february and and feed it once a month yeah or all, is it 100 gallons in one like one day one sitting yeah how large in diameter is the trunk katie um at least six inches okay so 100 gallons at a time Okay. Okay. And in the springtime, once every two weeks, and in the summer, once a week. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so thank, much. Thank I hope you. you have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Neil, Larry, and Charles, and we might be able to get a couple more in before the end of the hour. Uh, the number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. It's Brian and Shira here every Sunday morning with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Yeah. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners 
Will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? I have a dream. Well, don't we all have a dream? You know, it's it's one that we share, and when we, you know, to be a true American, we have to have a dream. Uh, back to the phones, Neil and Scottsdale. Good morning, Neil. Hello. Hi, Neil. I I heard the man from Hyder, or I don't know exactly where Hyder is. <laughs> well, it's it's halfway between Phoenix and, and uh, Yuma, you know, and it's kind of neat. It's our little gas station. They, the the family that has the gas station where you make the turn off in Sentinel. Uh, they just put the, they need their gas station in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Good place, maybe. Um, anyway, he was talking about a Santa Rosa weeping plum. Mm-hmm. Is that a tree that you would have at your nursery? No, we haven't, Neil, and I just we haven't had much call for him. It's been around for quite a while, um, but it's not one that's really grown as popular for the fruit. And um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different fruits, but and I, I guess he's not having any luck with it fruiting yet. So we probably won't carry it. Um, Can you plant that in Phoenix though for the? For the beauty of the tree, absolutely you could, you know. And the thing oh, we have with different good. plums is that, you know, here in the desert, we need low chill to have fruit. And uh, so we, and, and the, you know, when we sell you a tree, most of our customers expect for it to have fruit. And so we would be a little uh, little shy of wanting to sell one that wouldn't fruit. Wouldn't have fruit. Oh, yeah. Um, the other thing is we have an African violet plant on our kitchen table that gets some pretty much light, but not too much. And um, I've been watering it with coffee. Mm-hmm. Not grounds, just actual that, coffee. That, that's that a it, fantastic idea, Neil. It really works. Oh, yeah. Works. No, absolutely. I mean, that, that's a great, you know, I've, I've recommended people to, you know, fix their pH and water and stuff. But actually, if you're, you know, when you're drinking drinking your coffee for breakfast and you sit down and give some to the African violet, it couldn't be any better. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. I'm going to keep on doing it. It really is nice. It just works so good. Well, they're they're, water, they're tricky to grow here, but yeah, our water quality makes it difficult. So having good light and your coffee with it in the morning sounds like a great program to me. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to check on that plum plant, you know, some kind of plum tree at one of your nurseries. Well, yeah, we, we do different plums. You know, there's a green plum that we saw a lot of that uh, is going to do a lot better. Oh, yeah. I'd like it for the foliage, mainly. Well, I mean, the, the one we sell more for foliage, we sell the purple leaf plums. Okay. And then we have one called a Bloriana. Oh. If you want one that's going to really have nice flowers, there is a, another type of purple leaf plum called a uh, Prunus Bloriana. And that one has the most amazing blooms in the spring. And it really is fruitless, but it uh, has beautiful, beautiful flowers. Oh, well, I'll have to come into one of the nurseries, probably the one in Glendale, and then check on one of those. That sounds like a good one. Yeah, we don't have them just yet, but we'll have them before the end of the month. Oh, okay. we got to bring them in from the farms. We're trying to get a bit past Christmas, get citrusy season going, and, and get organized for the spring. But, you know, I would say by the by the 1st of uh, February, we'll have some of those in. And that's, then they'll be in bloom about that time as well. And that's kind of when our flowering pears bloom. And, you know, but it has a beautiful, it doesn't have the deep purple foliage that the Crowder Vesuvius does, but the flowers are to die for. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll check them out. 
Well, Neil, thanks, thanks for the for call. Tell, Neil, thanks for telling me where Hyder is. <laughs> well, Hyder, Hyder's been a special place. And we went down and bought the farm to Hyder. Uh, we, we were just going to buy some date palms that were there. And I took my wife, Janice, down the back roads to Hyder when we got there. And it uh, it was kind of rough, you know. And, and But we pulled in the valley and she said, you know, well, why don't we just buy this farm if we can afford it? You know, it's got the nice little citrus grove with it. So so we bought the farm in Hyder in uh, about 2000. And uh, had a great life experience as we lost our friend John Tryon, who was the one that helped us, you know, maintain and set everything up. But we got to re- meet the Merrill family. We even had uh, some of the Merrills come work with us for a while at the nursery as architects and different things. But uh, it's been a wonderful life experience. And I got to give full credit to my wife, Janice, because, you know, I was just going to buy the trees. Oh, boy. What a difference. <laughs> well, the, you know, the foresight on some of these women is pretty amazing. Neil, thanks for the call. Have a nice Thank weekend. You. Bye-bye. You too. Thanks. Bye. Uh, Larry in North Phoenix. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Uh, I know a lady who uh, wants to donate uh, some money in, uh, or a statue in memory of her family at church. Mm-hmm. The problem is the church is kind of statued out already. You know, it it they're not they haven't been receptive to the idea. So I was thinking they have a a new new uh, hauler and a big patio. And I was thinking a few uh, trees and containers for shade. They they desperately need shade on the patio where they hold activities. I figured a few uh, trees in containers would be a better idea. And I wondered do do ficus do well in containers or they just grow, outgrow them? Well, they can do pretty well, Larry, but they kind of have a harder time in the summer with the heat. You know, and, and if you're going to do a few trees like that, what you might do, you know, is, is kind of mimic the olive garden that Christ was in and maybe use uh-huh. fruitless olive trees. And the olive trees are going to take the heat much better and they can be a beautiful look and uh, will be easier to care for. And and they do well in containers, huh? They'll do very well in containers. They'll they'll take heat better than the ficus will, and it would kind of just depend on the location where where they wanted to put them in. But you know, and then and then you go back. You know, they're so biblical. You go back with you know Christ in the garden, and you know, and then that's just a real historic tree. You know, for for Christians anyway. Uh huh. And for well, for let's say five thousand uh, dollars, could you buy? Few of those. Oh, absolutely! And you can get them, get them in containers, and they they could be you know placed in there, and you could have beautiful trees. and And the nice part about olives is they outlive us. You know, the olives can actually live for over a thousand years. Okay, well, sounds good. Well, great, thank you. Yeah, you can contact mm-hmm. me anytime through the through the nursery, Larry, and I'd be okay. happy to help you with it. Okay. Yeah, the church church is right near your nursery. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, bye bye. Oh, and it looks like let's see. Well, we could take Charles quick. Hello, Charles. Hey Brian, we got a minute. Hey, what, okay, <laughs> what's what's the deal with tree roots? You know, everyone says, "Oh, it's the olive trees, it's the sisu trees. They break the foundation, they ruin the sewer lines." What is the difference in tree roots? Well, it depends really on the soil type that they're growing in and how they're watered. You know, and tree roots can be you know managed in all different kinds of fashions, but it's going to develop 
you know, be a big difference depending on the soil type that they're growing in and how they're watered. I mean, you know, if you could deep water a tree, let it dry out, the tree roots for most varieties are going to follow the water down deep. You can surface water with sprinklers like on lawn. You'll have, you know, roots all over the surface. And whether it's a, you know, a really aggressive tree like a sisu or a, a deeper rooted tree traditionally like a mesquite, but they vary a lot too. So that's not exactly fair. But, you know, the reality is, is it's going to vary completely on how they're watered in the soil. Hey, I'm gonna. I'll take a more off there. Hold on for one second, uh, Charles. Appreciate all the calls today, folks. Hope you enjoyed the program. Uh, remember, there's a special reason why we have this weekend off and get to take off Monday. Now at Whitfields, we'll be working on Monday, so you can come out and see us in the nursery. And uh, I'm I'm headed for the home show, but it might be a little wet today. I'm not sure if we'll have many people there. But hope you enjoyed the program and come out and see us in the nursery and come and see any of the uh, stores around town. Let's see, we got the Bashes family of stores, Whole Foods, Sprouts, and Albertson Safeway. All have a lot of our Meyer lemons and different citrus. We'll be back with you next week with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.